The face of shared housing is changing in Australia, and yes, rising prices are a factor, but some are also attracted by the potential for companionship and community. I would love to hear your share house stories too today, what they brought to your life usefully or not so usefully. Maybe your housemates became a chosen family, or maybe it was a bit more chaotic than that. I remember at one point living in a five cubicle shoebox of a terrace for a few years, and my cat found it so confronting she spent several weeks living under the fridge. Head to our Facebook page and tell us your shared housing stories, the pros and the cons, what, what benefits there are to living in shared accommodation, as well as the challenges. And actually in recent times I spent a year swapping in and out of the former family home to a friend's house. So I had a, a housemate relationship again and it made me remember how lovely those relationships can be and what a different style and quality of living it is to living with either a partner or on your own. So I'd love to hear your stories on that too. Gosha Roo is a radio presenter and musician and she's also a single parent who's just about to move into a shared house with another single parent. Gosha, great to have you with us today. Good morning. Thank you so much. I've got one still asleep, so fingers crossed we don't have any interruptions when he awakes. We are used to that. We get dogs, we get kids, all sorts of life matters. <laughs> How's it going with the organising to move in with the, your two kids and, and the other parent and their child? Well, as I was uh, getting myself ready this morning, I was carefully trying not to trip over the myriad of boxes scattered around my house. We move on Friday, so it's it's complete chaos at the moment, but it's also full of excitement, so it's a good time. <laughs> How did the idea come about? Yeah, so I... It's funny because I was reflecting on my shared house experience and actually I've got over 20 years of share housing experience and the last 18 months has been the first time in my life that I've lived independent of other adults. So obviously I'm a single mum with my two kids and I've been doing that for the last 18 months and as I say that, my two-year-old is running over to show his hat. So. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, that's been really challenging for me because I've always been somebody who thrives on company, on connection, on community and it's never been my desire to live independently. I've always seen myself living in a home filled with life and love and laughter. And so when I left my husband um, 18 months ago, it was really confronting to be in a home, essentially, yes, I had my children, but as the only adult without other adult interactions without other adult company. So that was hugely challenging for me. And I initially sought out uh, to find somebody to share with, but the opportunities opportunities just weren't there or the fit of the people wasn't right. It wasn't going to work. And so I just resigned myself to the fact that I needed to do this chapter alone. And then about six months ago, um, Sarah, who I've known for over a decade, but more so as an acquaintance, not in, in the friendship realm, she contacted me via social media and um, and talked to me about being a single mum, wanting to relocate. She's currently in country Victoria and wanting to move to Geelong, which is where I am. And she put the question forward, how do I feel about 
the potential of living together and sharing the responsibilities of not only parenting side by side, but, you know, running a house. And I was 100% yes, let's do this, let's explore. So we've just been taking steps forward slowly exploring that for the last six months and then Friday in two days is is go day. Well, yeah, I I understand at one point in the past you lived in a share house in London with 13 people, but I imagine the lead up was quite different. (laughs) Usually back in the day it was like, you've got a room? Great. You look like fun people. I'm sure we can make this work. Yes. But how do you prepare with the kids to, to kind of make a new household structure? It's a completely different ball game and it's unlike anything I've ever faced before. So, you know, you're so right. In in the past, in every share house, you hope you get along with your housemates and I've lived with some doozies and not everyone's, you know, on the same page. But most of the time you retreat to your room or you're out and about doing life. I've always been an extremely social um, person. So for me, my room has often been where I sleep and I live my life elsewhere. But now as a parent, home is home and having a house that accommodates for the children and their needs is is, is really the, the, the top priority. So moving in with Sarah, it's really been um, lots of discussions about what our values are, what how we want to parent, how, you know, how we want to implement different rules and structures in our home and these are conversations that I've never had to have with a housemate before it's really like moving into a a partner situation except that we're not in a relationship, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I understand you've, you know, you've done the kind of softly, softly get the kids together, kind of build those relationships before we actually yes. put them in the same house. What do the kids think yes. about it? Do they have thoughts? So, yeah, they, they definitely do. <laughs> and it can be really interesting how they communicate that. So, for context, my two little guys are two years and four years old. So, they're still little. So, the two-year-old is, you know, one to two word communication. And the big one can tell me a lot more, but it's more the behavior more than their words that, that speak volumes, as you can imagine. Yep. And um, and Sarah's little dude is three. So he's smack bang in the middle of my two. Um, so it's really interesting because they're still developing their social skills. They're still developing this notion of sharing and my toy versus your toy and all those things, but also... Um, you know, just the transitions are really huge. So for my big guy, I've definitely um, seen some big emotions and some big behaviours, but also as as our play dates um, with Sarah and her dude have, have gone on and they've had some um, longer stays at our current house, the boys have started kinder together this year and they're in the same class and going together and their little friendship is just blossoming and they're really excited to see each other and now they're showing signs of actually missing each other. So they're really starting to develop um, this really sweet friendship. And the other day when I picked my son up from kinder and his um, soon-to-be housemate friend wasn't with us, um, he said, oh, I really think he's like my brother. And I was like, oh, buddy, oh, buddy, I think 
you know, I think we'll find a different word for that. But, yeah, it is a bit like you've got another brother, isn't it? So, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Having to shape yeah. the language around relationships that, you know, our society doesn't have great words for. This is really uh, interesting because we're getting text messages on this too. We're speaking with Gosha Roo. She's a radio presenter and musician who's taking this step to make a new kind of household, a shared household with another single <laughs> parent. One says, I looked into shared houses when I was a postgrad in my mid-30s. People only wanted full-time workers because there was a housemate who wanted the house to themselves all day. Too bad if someone else had a sick day, I guess. They say, I lived in a rooming house sort of set up for a bit, but some people were really selfish, loud, intrusive, feral mess in the shared kitchen. I loved the setup of shared spaces, but the reality was pretty awful. They said, 10 years on, I'd look again, but I feel like there's so much unwillingness to negotiate that it would be a nightmare. And I imagine that uh, depends on the situation that you, you find yourself in. And Anna in Launceston says, we've had various housemates in our home for our whole adult lives and we value their company and different contributions. Just as our son reached adolescence, a wonderful young man arrived in our house and was a vibrant, wise and fun mentor for him. Housemates can become members of the family or just more relaxed friends, always valued. Love your thoughts on on those relationships and also the, the circumstances that might make you head into shared housing. Tell us about it on our Facebook page. Now, moves like this seem to be part of a bigger shift in our housing patterns. Sophia Marlson is a senior lecturer in urbanism at the University of Sydney. She's been researching changing trends in shared houses, among other things. Sophia, welcome. What changes are you seeing in who's living in share housing and when in recent years? Yeah, um, first of all, thanks for having me. But um, what we've been seeing is, uh, I guess, this sort of shift where I mean, traditionally, we associate the share house with, uh, you know, university students or very, you know, early grads um, out on their first job. And what we've been seeing is actually a decline in younger people and students share housing and a growth in all the other older demographics. Um, That's not just professionals in their 30s and 40s. Some of the fastest growing um, areas of share housing are for people who are 55 and above. Um, and primarily the shift is driven by uh, house and rent prices. Well, yes, indeed. How many kind of in-between options exist between, say, you know, the the rackety student share house and owning Mm. your own home or renting your own space? Are there those those kind of smaller or more flexible spaces that people can take advantage of, Sophia? Um, So there are various, I guess there's a variety of ways of sharing or uh, accommodation offerings. Um, So for some, and referring to students, again, if you're not living at home or sharing, there's been um, a sort of increase in co-living situations, which we also see for young professionals. And they're sort of very small rooms um, with basic kitchenette and everything supplied and larger sharing spaces. But they're quite expensive. Um Traditionally, for those who weren't able to afford their own private rental, we would see, um, and this particularly sort of gendered towards um, men, was the traditional boarding house. Um, but these days, yeah, it's a, it's a, there's lots of, um, I guess, creative ways of um, re designing the interior of apartments and things to fit more people in. So, of course, we know um, um, some of the stories around overcrowded student housing um, where, you know, 
people are living in the lounge rooms um, or sharing a bedroom. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's interesting so. that the boarding house has become to have a, a reputation for being quite seedy, but but I guess mm. that's a model that could be improved. The, I know yeah. that, Sophia, granny flats are popular among some people, but that some mm. states have regulations that make it difficult to have a separate dwelling on one title. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. So they've done an experiment in Sydney um, where they, I forget what the set number was, but they basically incentivized adding granny flats. um, And that was really popular. Um, There are some issues around whether all of them were sort of, um, you know, to compliance and things like that and um, issues around um, some of them being, I guess, more people living in it than was you know, intended. But that's one issue. We're also seeing um, with older, I guess, older women in particular um, and older people, some of the retirement offerings, our traditional retirement offerings, which would have been, um, you know, the rented or the bought villa, sorry, in a retirement village, um, being sort of experimented with to have smaller units with shared spaces so that they're more accessible and affordable for those who can't afford um, the traditional offering. Um, And they're sort of called, um, I think that model, they generally refer to as co-housing. And of course, there's cooperatives. Uh, We don't have many cooperatives in Australia, just traditionally sort of culturally and um, the sort of things involved to get them up are a little bit more challenging here than, say, um, what we would expect like in Europe. Um, but that's also another successful model um, when done well. Sophia Marlson, there's increasing concern about older women in the housing market. How much of this shift towards people embracing shared housing is is about women becoming less secure in their options, do you think? Uh, significant part of the motivators um, of drivers of this shift is um, around older women in precarity. Um, so what we find is, um, for example, I've done some research with older women who are share housing, um, and there's a few sort of, I guess, drivers. The main one is, of course, financial. So for various reasons, um, women tend to accumulate less wealth over their working life and have less super to draw upon. Um, so when they get to retirement, um, you know, there's and they haven't if they don't own their own home by them, they're left in quite a um, difficult situation. We also find after a relationship breakdown that um, you know often uh, women have to go into the rental or sharing market sometimes for the first time in their lives, um, and that's also challenging because it's hard to get into the rental market if you don't have a rental history. So if you were previously a homeowner and are now no longer and trying to um, to access the rental market, it's actually often easier to go in share housing because if somebody already has the lease. But there's another couple of other things. People, although they were sort of primarily talking about the affordability um, infl- aspects of share housing, consistently coming up, were discussions around the social benefits, um, having a sense of security that somebody else was in the house should anything happen to them, particularly the getting towards the older end, having somebody around to help with chores, um, and this sort of like, I guess, very social family 
kind of feeling in the right type of share houses. Well, yeah, it didn't always work out that way, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, loneliness is, is another increasing problem as well as housing yeah. precarity. I mean, how do younger people and older people go when it comes to the kind of shared housing uh, mate-seeking market? Is that a, yeah. a cross-generational <laughs> thing that you see, Sophia? Yeah, I mean, so there's been a big shift to online platforms, unsurprisingly. So um, often we see the younger groups um, going towards flatmates.com, although they also accommodate older groups. Um, And there's some older sort of older specific housing, um, share housing platforms like um, Seniors Housing Online um, was established quite a few years ago now and it's still running. Um, What we find as well is that Word of mouth is still important for older people. So it might be that, you know, someone has a friend who has a room and would really like the company um, and they're connected via mutual acquaintances. Um, The interesting thing is that it's really, I guess, because the the environment that you live in, you know, you have to have flatmates that suit you. So um, uh, some of the women that I spoke to were like, well, I, I sort of went through my friends first because I tried those sites, um, particularly the ones that were all generations. And, you know, they're like, young people don't want to live with old people. So you don't even get a look in kind of thing. Oh. So, yeah, which is, a, you know, quite sad. But um, they managed to find it through other avenues. Yeah, really interesting. We're speaking with Sophia Marlson, who's a senior lecturer in urbanism at the University of Sydney, and Gosha Roo, who's uh, dipping into toe into this brave new world of different types of shared housing. She's a single parent and she's moving in with another single parent and blending their families that way. Gosha, are you worried about not having as much privacy? Because there is this kind of strong societal assumption that we will live separately as adults or we'll live with partners and raise our kids in a in a private home. Is it is it kind of interesting living outside that idea? That's a really good question. Um, I think, you know, for me, it would depend on who I was sharing with. And at the moment, uh, you know, we're we're right on the precipice of of starting this adventure with our move-in date happening in two days' time. I don't have the lived experience yet of what that privacy situation may look like, but I also have a lot of trust in the the character of who I'm moving in with to to feel comfortable and to feel like we're both really respectful women who really value each other's autonomy, but also want to support each other and want to build a community of safety and respect. And they're the values that we have and we've talked about. So I I feel comfortable going into that from, you know, looking at privacy, the privacy aspect. And and also I'm a bit of an open book, so there's not much that I need to keep hidden. I'm I'm a sharer, so that that also plays into it. I don't imagine having to write the, the shared housing ad that you used to stick up in the window of the book shop or put up online. It would just be like two A4 pages sometimes, wouldn't it? Here's us. Here's everything you need to know. Um, Sophia Marlson, what changes would you like to see in the way our housing systems are managed in Australia so that people do have more choice and more security, especially as they age? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, part of the problem, as I'm sure we're all aware, in terms of uh, this sort of shift to share housing, is the broader property market and you know, we've witnessed a period of insane growth in the in the sort of um, 
value of housing. And that's because we've turned housing into an asset. So you can more earn more from your house as an asset than you can, say, if you're an investor, than really you do in your general wage. Um, so there's this really big incentive for people to become investors um, and treat what is ultimately somebody's home um, as an as a just an asset that they've invested in. And part of the problem there is that there's often a disconnection between what investors perceive the house as being and their role as a provider of housing. So if we can't sort of rebalance, I guess, uh, the way that we consider housing as more of a side of home than as an asset, um, then the next step uh, is to convince landlords um, that they are actually providing a housing service and that they need to start to be able to um, provide secure housing for those, um, for their tenants. And that might be even incredibly something as boring as, you know, guaranteeing leases for longer and things like that. That was a very uh, succinct two- answer to a very, very big <laughs> question. <laughs> well, that one, I've got some more though. Yeah. I know, we've got about 20 two- seconds, but if, oh, if you no. can summarise. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing would be more diversity. So these sort of sharing options and making them sort of normalising them and getting rid of some of the, you know, cultural, I guess, um, uh, suspicion about people who share later into life and that it's somehow a failure because actually it can be really rewarding um, and a very, I think, also sustainable option. Yeah, and it can mean that people have really good communication skills and are committed yep. to interpersonal relations being healthy. Exactly. Fascinating and, and really illuminating text coming in too. Sophia Malson, thanks so much for your time today. No problem. Senior Lecturer in Urbanism at the University of Sydney. Gosha Rue, all the best with the move. Thanks for sharing your story with us on Life Matters. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat. Gosha Roo is a radio presenter and musician taking a big step in a, you know, a slightly unusual, but you know, it hasn't always been unusual in the past, has it? Lots of people found themselves by circumstance having to join households. Be interested to hear on our Facebook page how that might have gone for you. We put it up on Facebook, what makes for a harmonious shared house? And Sharon said, name clearly marked on food. Mark just said, have a house party every fortnight. And then he tagged all his friends who said, yeah, great days. Uh, I'll read you a text from Beverly to finish up with. I met my friend Helen in a rambling terrace house in Redfern in the 70s. I never would have met her in my ordinary life as we live in very different worlds. We've kept our friendship, though she spends most of her time in Italy, and her daughter's coming to stay with us for a couple of weeks and has made a lovely friendship with my son. Intergenerational shared housing. Love it. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.